0: Let's bow in prayer together, and then we're going to look at God's Word. Father, we're humbled. We're overwhelmed by um, how you're working in this world. Um, All throughout the planet, you are drawing men and women and boys and girls unto yourself. And it's an amazing thought that you seek to use us, Lord, to make that difference and to shine that light. So thank you for Ellie's story and thank you for changing him and thank you for changing the man who led him to faith in Christ and someone shining light to him and him shining the light to Ellie and now Ellie's shining light. And so it goes, Father, the great legacy of faith, the great legacy, this great story, the great drama of your redemptive work. So thank you, Lord, for it. May we walk in it. May we find our life purpose as a part of it. Now, as we look at your word, God, bless it. Speak to us through it. Lord, be our teacher, be our guide. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would indeed be pleasing to you and you alone, Father. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, turning your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1, this amazing passage that we began looking at last week, we began a series called paradox and we explain a paradox of course is when two realities that exist in relationship to each other seem to contradict they seem to stand in conflict they exist in the same time the same relationship with each other yet though they seem to contradict they are true and we talked about the first paradox found in the christmas story really from john chapter one and that, that is that god became a man how is it that god could become man and that man could be God, all in the same person, Jesus Christ. He was 100% God as if he were not man, and 100% man as if he were not God. This is an amazing truth. Seems to contradict, and yet, though a mystery, it is indeed true. He was the Word we talked about last uh, last week. We talked about how he wanted to communicate something to us. Jesus was the Word, and the Word became flesh, the incarnation of Christ. God was saying something to us, in this world through Jesus, his son, and how he said it as that baby in a manger has a lot to say about the one who came for you and me. So now in verses 4 through 13, the story continues about Jesus, the nature of Jesus, particularly as he came into this world, what it meant. It talks about the nature of Christ, the nature of the world in which he came. Look in verse 4, the apostle John continues, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And there's an interlude now in verses eight and nine, kind of a parenthetical statement. John interrupts his thoughts because he's going to talk about the one who came as a forerunner to the light. Here's what he says, verse six There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, he's not talking about himself. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John. He's talking about, of course, John the Baptist, who was the prophet, who was the forerunner to Christ. And he came with the message of repent. And he came as a witness, it says, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives lights to everyone, was coming into the world. So John the Baptist, this bold, powerful, humble prophet, bore witness to the light of Christ just like Ellie's commander did. The light of Christ, just like what we're to do, is to be a light to this world. Verse 10, He, that's Jesus, the Word, was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. Here begins some contrast. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him, but to all who did receive Him, he believed, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man But of God. Thus the paradox light, darkness, coexisting together. Jesus was the light of the world who came to shine light in darkness. Now, when you think about the images and the concepts of light and darkness, biblically they're very important. I mean, here's the contrast between these two. You think about darkness, you think about light. Darkness in the Bible represents God's absence, light is about God's presence. You understand that light is a reality by omission, right? I'm sorry, darkness is a reality by omission. Darkness exists when there is no light. The absence of light means there is darkness. Where there is no light, darkness becomes a reality. God's presence, where God's presence is not there, where God's presence does not show up, there is darkness. Darkness is all about evil in the Scripture wrongdoing, sin, immorality. But light is about goodness and purity and holiness. In fact, Jesus would say in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Light is about good works. Darkness is about blindness. Light is about sight. Of course, it's physical blindness, of course, darkness, but also there's a spiritual connotation to this. Being blind spiritually, but also having sight spiritually, that we can see, that we can perceive, that light illuminates, that light reveals. And then finally, that darkness is about death, but light is about life. In fact, here's how John would say it in verse 4. He would say, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The correlation between life and light, those two things are the same. Where there is light, there is life. Where there is life, there is light. So Jesus being the light of life, a beautiful phrase. He was the light of men, the light of life. Jesus would say in John chapter 8, he said, I am the light of the world. Not that I came to give light to the world. Of course, that's true. He would say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life, the light of life. Now, in this instance, Jesus here is talking about being a light to our path, being a light that guides us, being a presence in our lives that illuminates, that helps us to have hope and a future before us. If you got up this morning before the sun rose, you you had a little bit of an experience of walking in darkness. Some of you did at least. The reason that this was so meaningful in the first century is because they lived by day and night, much more than we do. The sun came up, they had light. When the sun went down, they had darkness. Of course, they had candles, but totally different, without electricity, right? I mean, this meant something to them. I remember years ago, in college, I was working at a bank. And I worked as a teller some, and I also would do some books and ran a lot of errands for people. And in Brownwood, Texas, where I went to college, Um, I worked at a bank, and across the street was an old building that was abandoned, and they had boxed a whole bunch of um, legal papers over there, and they were in the attic of of this building. And so I was to go and retrieve a box of these statements, these financial statements, and so I went over there, and I went up into the attic. You know, I turned the light on and then pulled down the, the ladder and went up into You know, the attic, and I went to the back. It was a big room, you know, it was a building, so it was about the size of this room. And I went through all these stacks of boxes to the very back where I found the box. And as I was back there, kind of looking in the box, this building is like nobody hardly ever goes over there, but for some reason, somebody came over there. They saw that the light was on and the attic was open. They turned the light off and closed the attic door, (laughs) and I'm in this huge room. And I'm wondering to myself, how in the world am I going to get back? And it took me about 15 minutes after bumping into things and, you know, stumbling over stuff. It was this thing where it was total darkness. In fact, I put my hand in front of my face. I was amused at how dark it was. I could not see my hand. I mean, nothing before me. There was no light. And because there was no light, there was darkness. This is the point that Jesus came at His incarnation at Christmas time, Jesus came as light to shine in a world full of darkness. So there are three contrasts and I want to share with you today real quickly that are found in this passage, because he goes on to talk about this in more detail. First of all, contrast number one, we're talking about paradoxes. Contrast number one, that there was light in a world of darkness. He says it clearly in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I, I love the way that he states that. Notice he didn't say that the that the light you know, is victorious or the light overcame it. He says the darkness has not overcome it. The emphasis here is the power of darkness, the encroaching power of darkness, and yet the withstanding and enduring power of light. The ideal here is that the forces of darkness are great. We know this to be true. We see this in our world today. Yet the truth of Christ is that he, as the light, is not overwhelmed by that darkness. Though cloaked in darkness, though surrounded by darkness, his coming means that the darkness has not won. What darkness is there in your life? What confusion, what challenges, what pain is there? That darkness will not win. Contrast number two. He is the creator of a world not knowing. Verses 9 and 10, look at this. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. What an irony that the one who would actually create the world would have an experience where that world in which he created would not recognize him as creator. In general, those that he came to did not know him to be who he was. They did not recognize him as God. This is the whole purpose for John's writing. The world was made by him, and he existed in the world in which he made, which is amazing. He made the world, and yet he came to live in it for 33 years. But the world did not recognize him. The world didn't know him. It's the issue of ignorance, where they didn't understand him to be who he was and who he claimed to be. I think that just has to do with the unique way that he came. I mean they were expecting, the Jews were expecting a geopolitical and economic messiah, one who would come and conquer the land and the government, who would restore in that sense the physical sense of Israel. But his kingdom was a kingdom of the heart. And he didn't come as a king with power and a military and an army. He came as a baby in a manger. And the way that he came says a lot about The one who did come, that he was meek, he was humble, and he made himself low for our sake. Isaiah 53, Scripture says, man, he had no form or any majesty that we should look upon him. You Remember the prophecy about Christ and his coming? He had no beauty that we should desire him. There's nothing inherently attractive about Christ that set him apart from any normal man in his coming. He was very ordinary, but he did extraordinary things, and he was the creator of the world, yet the world did not know. And here's the third contrast. That he belonged to a world that did not receive him. Belonging to a world not receiving him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and yet his own people did not receive him. Look at all these contrasts. We talked about how John loves to do these things. He loves to set these things in contrast. So those who should have received him are the very ones who rejected him. Now, we've had family in town um, over the weekend. My oldest son graduated from college yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) Worked really hard, finished up. We get a pay raise. Mom and dad do, you know, (laughs) here soon. But um, wouldn't it be weird for family to show up and you kind of say, I'm sorry, you can't come in? Okay, you can come in. But you can't sit on the furniture, (laughs) you know. (laughs) We're not going to feed you. We're not going to help you. We're not going to love on you. It would be ridiculous. Family, to whom we belong, not accepting us. Jesus came to those who he belonged to, who rightly should have received him, but instead they rejected him. Now, John is talking about something very specific here. Beyond the ignorance of the world at large, which was true, more specifically, who was Jesus' own? Who were those to whom he should have belonged? Who were those to whom should have received him and accepted him. The very people who claimed to believe in the true God of Israel. That's who he's talking about here. Those who claimed to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was the people who had, according to Romans chapter 9, these people had the law, they had the prophets, they had the covenants, they had the adoptions, they had the, the, the fathers. They had all these promises. And yet... They rejected Christ. The people of Israel turned him away. Ellen and I were talking about that this week and how we come from a whole different understanding. Him, him being Jewish, living in Israel, bringing all of that with him into accepting Christ as his Messiah. How we were not looking for Messiah. We found him, right? We have a Savior. We have a Messiah. He was a king. But they were looking for a king. And it's a a great irony of people who should have seen but didn't. People who were looking but didn't see. They didn't find the one that they were looking for. And so, Jesus coming to this world of darkness was not recognized. He was not known. He was rejected by those who should have accepted him, should have received him. What did he do? What was his response? Take his ball and go home? (laughs) Pack up and leave? No. Look in verses 12 and 13. Here's the amazing, beautiful, great response. But to all who did receive him, listen to this. To all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but were born of God. To those who saw, to those who believed, to those who received, what happened? He made us his children. And I think we just need to camp here for a second. I think we miss really the implications of that. What are we? Who are we? Are we we merely just religious people? Are, Are we people who just follow creeds, people who go through religious ceremonies? People who have a certain moral code that we aspire to? No. No. The true nature of believers is that we are children of God. We're children of the Father. And we cry out to Him, Abba, Father, Daddy. We speak to God as a personal father. I'm a child of God. And there's some implications of that. And they're found here in this passage I'm not an accident. I'm the product of a father in heaven. It says in verse 13, we were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. It's not a physical birth. We were born of God. This is the second creation. This is the new birth. This is the born again fact of my journey to Christ that I am his child. And because I'm his child, I'm not rejected, I'm accepted. The Bible would use phrasing such as, I've been adopted. So the one who was rejected by his own accepted those who were not really his own. He adopted us into his family. We've been made children. I've been received by God, my Father. I'm never alone because of that. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. I'm his child. I'm his son. I'm indwelled by the Father as a child. I don't just see the light of God. I have the light of God in me. He is the light that lives within me because I have him within me. Those of you who are parents, you you know the great wonder and mystery of having a child and holding that child and thinking to yourself, this child is mine and I'm his. It's an amazing relationship. And we get this sense of this is not just something I possess. This is something a part of me. There is a part of me in this child. There is a part of Christ within us. The light of Christ, the light of the world is the light that lives within us, that indwells us. And just as our children have us with them, we have the Father in us. This is the power of what we are to do in our lives. We walk in the realities of being children of God. Never alone. Always accepted. Not existing by accident. But existing as a product of a loving father who gave birth to me and adopted me into his family. It's an amazing thing. I'm a child of the light. Later on this evening, I'm going to go visit someone who has been told she doesn't have long to live. She's uh, accompanied by hospice. She's a believer. And I'm going to go and remind her that she's a child of God. And that though darkness is encroaching. She will pass through the darkness of death. And there will be light on the other end. That is a hope that never goes away. That is a hope that gives confidence to you and me. That means that what we can endure now. The darkness has not overcome us. And we have days we feel like we don't measure up. Lord we feel like we never can quite get to where we want to be, where we need to be. We have days where we fail. We have days where we make mistakes. We have days where we don't care. And we have days where we don't care that we don't care. (laughs) You ever have days like that? I have a few of them. Days when we accidentally mess up. Days when we willfully mess up. And yet on our worst days, we are still a child of God. That never changes. And I hope that part of the understanding of not what you're to do in life this Christmas, some of you're struggling with life purpose, where to go, what to do, where to work, those kinds of things. I hope that the true meaning of Christmas that will sweep across your heart is not about what to do, but about who you are, about your true identity in Christ. Our identity has nothing to do with what we do, titles we hold, functions that we play. It has everything to do in the simple fact that I'm a child of God, treasured and valued for who I am, not what I do. And the message of grace at Christmas is I can never measure up, and yet I'm a child of the light of the world, and I have something to share. Paul would say it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5. He would say, you are all children of the light and children of the day. What a great statement. Don't you think they needed that reminder? Listen, remember, you are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, he says. Remind yourself of that. So Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. Yet, he came in darkness. Upon the closing of the Old Testament, After the record of the prophets, for 400 years there was silence. 400 years. 400 years of seeming darkness. 400 years of God being silent. And yet, there was a promise. And the promise is contained in Isaiah 9. It says, The people walking in darkness, there came a great light. To the people landing, uh, living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There were people who lost hope, but there was a remnant. And there were people like Joseph and Mary and Zechariah and Elizabeth, people like John the Baptist, who held to the promise of light. And light was born on Christmas morning. Jesus, the light of the world, shines in the darkness. Jesus, the light of the world, shines in your darkness. Don't ever, ever lose hope. He is there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that though the darkness is great, that we are not overcome by it. We have times of confusion, times of hardship and pain, times when you seem silent. Help us to know that our circumstances, our challenges, our pain, our hardships never ever change the fact that we are your child. That we belong to you, that we are never alone, and that not only have we seen the light of Christ, we have the light of Christ within us. So help us, Father, to embrace the light, to walk in it, and then, Father, to share it with other people. Thank you. For Jesus being that light. And that the the world in which we live, this dark and confusing place sometimes, we even see evil. We see hate. That Jesus came to make a difference by being the light. So we thank you, we praise you. for who you are and who you've made us to be. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.